You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Are, are Ryan Howard and Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney, joining you here on this glorious and illustrious podcast for episode 67. Uh, I cannot believe I've done that many of these, but here we are. I thank you always for joining me, all the loyal listeners. Uh, I know there's someone out there, some people out there listening to this. Thank you, and I greatly appreciate your support and any words of encouragement I receive from out out in the streets. Uh, We're going to get into the Phillies. Phillies opening day, we've had a week so far, so we'll diagnose what we've seen, what we like, what we don't like, what we think. A lot of people trying to make... uh, you know, trying to drop their hot takes or snap judgments after six games. I think we've learned throughout the years that uh, a season is not made in the first six games of the season, uh, first month, anything like that. We're just trying to figure out what's going on, what we like, what we don't like. Uh, you know, I, I've seen a team that's going five and one in the first week and then falling apart. I've seen Gabe Kapler teams that were leading the NL East in July, June, you know, and and completely collapse. So I'd rather my team come in, you know, and uh, get hot towards the end. Bryce Harper not hitting the ball. We'll get into all of that. The Sixers are playing the Toronto Raptors in the first round of the playoffs, which will start on Saturday afternoon, evening, around 6 o'clock. Matisse will not be allowed to play in the Toronto games of the uh, Toronto portion of the series. We will talk about what we think, and it's going to be a closer series than I, I believe a lot of us would like or would hope for. Eagles. That is another thing we will touch on as well as the Eagles mock drafts. Uh, we are sitting today currently one week away from the NFL draft in the first round. We only have two picks now, as we discussed at length in last week's episode. The trade that was made, Howie moving back, uh, you know, moving one of the picks, kicking, uh, as I would say, kicking the can down the road, giving himself an option for uh, another first-round pick next year to maybe make a trade or move up in next year's draft, or that's just a quarterback fail-safe if Jalen Hurts does not eventually pan out, but Jalen Hurts will get this year. We will get into all the mock drafts. I'll read you a new mock draft. We will do the PFF simulator. Scotty Scheffler won the Masters. Tiger kind of didn't have the gas for it, fell apart after the first day, looked great in the first day, but just 13 over. It's just something you never see from Tiger. I imagine we'll see a lot better version of him the next time he goes out there and plays competitive golf. Which who knows when? Maybe it'll be in May. Maybe he'll try. Yeah, will he'll try and pay, play the PGA. Uh, he's already guaranteed he will play the Open. Uh, I believe that's in June or July at St Andrews. Of course, he loves. So we'll get more Tiger this year. Golf is better when Tiger's around. Scotty Scheffler dominant performance. It was uh, just you know it's kind of sucks when there's not really a um, a lot of pressure on the on the guy whoever the leader is or just not a lot of uh, competition for him. Come Sunday, it was kind of just a foregone conclusion. He just had to not melt down, which he almost did on 18. But we will, you know, that there's your there's your Masters talk. Let's get into the Phils. Phils opening uh, opening week. I, I'll go through quickly all of the games. Not like I'm not going to go through game by game. Well, I may, you know, maybe I might. I might. You know, I, I'm not going to lie to you. But I, I like uh, just talking about. I guess some of the things that Nola. Let, let's talk about that first. Nola, Aaron Nola. I'm just calling him Anthony Nola, which is crazy. Aaron Nola. Opening day, the bats were were alive and well. They were dominant. Schwarber led off the game with a home run. 
you know, he had two hits, two RBIs throughout the game. Uh, you know, all like everyone got a hit except Veerling throughout the whole game. They had 11 hits total. So it was just like, oh, yeah, here we are. We're here, baby. Even Castellanos didn't have a great game besides the double down the line where he got gunned out for like literally no reason going for that triple. But I guess uh, a few things uh, th- that I've picked up on throughout this week. So they go three and three. If uh, I, my numbers are right, one, two, three, yeah, they've lost three games, losing the series to the Mets, and a, and a, a Mets series that they really weren't in from the very beginning. They kind of had no business winning that Monday game with that miraculous, uh, you know, scoring five runs in the eighth inning to come back on the Mets. Uh, where do we go here? Uh, I would say the lineup has been disappointing, but it's not the end of the world. I would say because it's so we're so early on in the season. Bryce Harper is not hitting the ball well. Schwarber is not hitting the ball well. Castellanos is starting to come on a little bit. I've liked what we've seen from Hoskins. Real Muto has looked okay. But all of these guys are going to come together at some point. And not even all of them, but you're just like Bryce Harper is not going to play as bad as he has been these last few games. I mean, even he can't kind of came out of not really came out of the slump, but you saw signs of life yesterday with a home run. Uh, towards garbage time of that game where they were down 8-1 to one at, at one point, made a little bit of a comeback, and, and but it was a little too little too late, unfortunately. The Mets really had had their way yesterday with the Phillies, not only their starting rotation, Aaron Ola, but I mean, Connor Brogdon winds up losing his job over this game, serving up bomb after bomb after bomb. He gives up two earned runs. Uh, two of them were given to Damon Jones, who also was DFA'd. So the Phil's bullpen is, you know, there's a couple of, I would say, problems, but not. it's not an overall huge concern because I think you've seen enough out of other guys like Nick Nelson. Uh, Sir Anthony has not been great, but not been bad, right? Yeah, I mean, that's Alvarado, Familia, Knable was with, he had a COVID situation going on. So I kind of have liked what I've seen from the bullpen as of, as of six games. The, the, the lineup is the bigger, more uh, pressing concern, but it's not like a concern where I am. It's going to keep me up at night and makes me think that this Phillies team can't win or can't be successful. The 2 nothing game on uh, Tuesday, like those games can't happen. That You know, you can't get, you just can't get like shut out like that uh, on a night. They almost get, they basically got shut out two nights in a, in a row because that, they were, they were in like, they had they went seven innings on that Monday night game where they didn't score a run, and then they finally just blew up in the eighth, and then they didn't score like and then they score again for what? Uh, they had the one run, like you know what I'm saying, like they're, they're scoreless throughout the 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 swinging through pitches and the not making contact. A lot of the problems from last year seem to have persisted, and it's not good. I don't like to see that. Gibson was awesome on Saturday against the Athletics. I'm kind of jumping around uh, over here, but I just have some. Notes that I, I wanted to get through. Nola has been very, very disappointing. He's got a one and one, uh, one and one uh, record, but ERA at around six seven five. Okay, like that's that's not good. Not a good situation. Brad Hand, another guy who uh, I thought has pitched well. Like I said, bullpen, uh, no problems there. Starting rotation, Eflin did not throw well on that Sunday game, but the weather was garbage, and uh, I'm not going to hold it against him. I don't really think it was we lost because of Eflin. I just didn't think he had his best stuff. He only, yeah, he only went four innings that day, but he didn't give up a run. You know, it wasn't like he was 
getting hit around the yard. It just he didn't have his best stuff. Kind of got himself in trouble. Was walking some guys. We'll, we'll we'll see better. We'll see better stuff from Eflin later on in the season. So Nola, you're getting really nothing. Gibson looked good. He looked. I mean, he looked incredible. I should, I'm kind of low selling that. He he looked awesome. Eflin, now nah, you know we'll we'll see more from. We'll he'll get better. Wheeler, even though he pitched a little bit and you know he, he got a slow start here in the spring, I thought he looked awesome. I thought he looked sharp enough, and he's only going to get sharper as the season goes on. I'm forgetting. So our uh, Ranger, Ranger Suarez did not look good um, in his first. In his first game, I, I'm not going to hold that against him either because he won. Well, it's the first game, so um, you know it's it is what it is. But also, it's not good that he struggled with command. wasn't really pounding the inside of, uh, of the zone against Reddy. Something they talked about in the post game, which I mean, Ricky Metallica before the game was telling you he might win the Cy Young, and then afterwards you're like, ah, shit. But I again, one start. We're one week into the season, I'm not. I'm not pounding the panic alarm. They just need to play better. It's that simple. I think they have all the pieces here. Boom can't make three errors in a game, but they have a lot of guys who can hit the ball. A lot of guys who can do different things. Veerling has been awful in center. It's brutal not having the the Mick here, Mickey Moniak. It's so. It's so. I feel so awful for him because he would be probably taking this job and running away with it. All he needs to do is get a hit. Because Veerling, I don't even know if the guy's been on base yet. That's that's how bad this has been. I, I, I'm looking up his stats. He he does not have a hit yet. In 15 plane appearances, 13 at-bats, he does not have a hit this season. He's played in six games or appeared in six games. Awful. He, couldn't, he could not have started worse. And you know here on the on the podcast, we are huge Matty V fans. I love, I love Mr. Veerling. Uh, Notre Dame guy. So I, I am uh, legally obligated to support him, but... It's not. It has not looked good. It is not a good situation. It has you. Uh, you know when you're when you're seeing guys like Muziati out there, and there's no hope in, in sight, or, or no uh, no reinforcements coming down the road. You're you, as you so desperate that you're like, damn, when's Odubel coming back? You know. So it's not a good situation on center. It's kind of how it's been for the last few years. Segura has looked good. Uh, just to go through the lineup, DD. You know he had the big hit. He he's been uh he's been off and on though. For for me, I I don't know if his stats dictate that one fifty eight. Yeah, so not exactly lighting the world on fire. I don't think any of these guys really at the top of the lineup are tearing the ball off the cover. I've liked what we've seen from Reese so far. Castellanos, like I said, is starting to turn the corner. He's striking out. He was striking out a lot in the beginning of the season. I mean, even the first day at three Ks, still strikes out a little bit too much. But him. Harper, I mean, Castellanos is probably the best of the crew up there. Harper hitting 143. Real Muto, other than that home run, you know, I mean, 238, still doing his thing. And Schwarber, another guy after that first day, hasn't done anything since. And, you're, yeah, I mean, hitting under 100. He's hitting 091 right now. There's These guys are too good. There's no way this is going to keep up or, or continue to be a – they just—they're not. They're, there's no way they play this bad for the whole season. So they need to be better. Some guys in the rotation, I think you'll see better. I think this is a big series here already in Miami, just to kind of knock the rust off and just just try to not even build on what, but put the Mets series in the past, put it behind you. And 
I heard people on the radio last night talking about how oh, they wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Joe Giglio, one of these, uh, you know, I love Joe Giglio, but saying they wouldn't be surprised if they lost three or four this weekend. That can't happen. That can't be our mentality right now. We cannot be that low. We can't be this we're diving in the dumpster already and this low on our, on our team one week into the season where we're like, oh, yeah, like we're going to get cooked. Where these guys are just gonna run uh, run us, you know, not a good pitching matchups, and it's not gonna be going to Miami. That it's not a hitter's yard, all that nonsense. No, we just need we need to worry about ourselves. I don't care who we're playing. We the Phillies need to play better. That's simple for me. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't. I don't think that we got outplayed or or that the Mets are that much better than us. They 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 played better than us, but I just don't think they're that that they're. they're have better players or it's just we need to play better our, our mvp needs to play better our, our uh left fielder our, our one of our free agent signings needs to play better our pitcher uh, one of our not aces but one of our top rotation guys needs to pitch better ranger suarez needs to pitch better Eflin, we need more from you you know so we'll get there even wheeler it's just and the bullpen, I don't have much to say. They're going to figure that out. The guys like Brogdon and the guys like Damon Jones, you're not going to see them all year long. They're going to, they've are gonna they already weeded them out. Like, okay, yeah, I can't go to you. Then get rid of him. He's gone. Get someone else up here. You know, so that's what I, I like what, have, what we've seen so far. I, my confidence is still high. I, it has not been broken by this week whatsoever. And I look forward to this week. We have um, Miami. And then I believe we go to Colorado, which... Is not good for the pitchers, but maybe it'll be good for the hitters who can uh, break out of that slump that we've been discussing, or I just got done talking about that. Some of these guys that are, you know, the Schwarbers and the Harpers, can hit some bombs and start to feel good about themselves. But hopefully, it has been rectified by then. But until then, we will we will talk about all. You know, until then, we will discuss the with the Sixers who have a playoff game this weekend. We got. Kyle Gibson on the mound, Gibby going up against Sandy Alcantara, who's one of their guys. Pablo Lopez against Zach Eflin. Saturday, we're going to have Ranger Suarez against Trevor Rogers, who is another good pitcher. And we, I believe Sunday is going to be a Zach Wheeler game, but they, they do not have it on my app. So, listen, I'm not hearing that negativity. We we have the rotation, we have the we have the hitters, we have the bullpen. We just need to play better, and we're going to play better this weekend. I want to win three out of four. How about that? I mean, well, I'm going to flip the script on you. We're, I'm, I want to win three out of four. Sixers this weekend, we got an opening game Saturday afternoon, evening. Six o'clock is right in that little territory where you don't know if it's the evening. The, now it's the summertime. The sun is still up. You might have eaten dinner. You should have eaten dinner, or you're about to eat dinner. And but you know, you just don't know. It's not nighttime yet. Like seven o'clock's nighttime for me. Six o'clock, you're still in that uh, late afternoon sort of time. All right. So and I would hear arguments for nighttime, or it's. Not, I wouldn't say it's definitely afternoon. We're definitely leaning in the the, the pendulum's swinging in the nighttime area, but. It's not, not a guarantee. Not a guarantee. So Sixers this weekend, Raptors, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people I saw on ESPN, six or seven. I'm not seeing any Sixers in five, Sixers dominant performance, Sixers run away with this. The, the, the people think that, I mean, I saw a lot of Raptors in seven, Raptors in six. Uh, a majority of it was Sixers. It's got, it, honestly, I wouldn't even say majority. It seemed like a six. Yeah, I mean, it is a majority, but it's not 
the kind of majority I would like to see. The Raptors scare me. Make no mistake about it. The Raptors scare me. They they have a uh, their coach is much better than ours. We're gonna get out coached the entire series, so that's a problem. Uh, the 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 Raptors have demons that come along with them, and we have not expelled those demons yet. The last time us playing against Toronto and playing against Toronto in Toronto in a playoff series was one of the most horrifying sporting events I've ever experienced to this day. And game seven of last year was very was up there, but nothing will ever be worse than the Kawhi shot. So there's a lot that we need to get off of our chest, and I would love to see Joel dominate this series, leave no doubt in the minds of us and all of the people out there that he is the MVP, even though I know they voted for whatever. But I'm just saying he, he needs to have a dominant, dominant performance. He needs to carry the Sixers to a W in this series. We're going to need... Now, I have talked about this on here many a time. It's this six, me talking about the Sixers and the playoffs and all of this is going to need to sound like me just beating a dead horse or, or just constantly repeating myself over and over and over and over again. But it is all on James Harden. It, it, it literally comes down to his play and how good, what, what version of him we get. How good is he going to be? Now, I think this week of rest will be good for him, especially for this series. I don't think it's going to last that long because I, I don't think he, how, how much healthier could you get in just this week? He was sitting out multiple weeks before we got him, and then he looked good in the first couple games, and then that quickly eroded. So I'm not going to get too excited, but I think in these first couple games, you're probably going to see the best version of James Harden that you could possibly see. Best case scenario, we take care of business and maybe four, five, you know, and get out of there. The other series that I think we're going to have to play either the Heat, probably the Heat, I believe, and we won't have to deal with the Nets because since the Nets won, they'll play the Celtics. We are the four seed. We will play the winner of the 1-8, eight. eight not being decided yet. I believe that situation will be taken care of on Friday. It doesn't really matter to us because we need to take care of our own business right now, here and now. They, the, the, the Raptors are a good team, man. Guys who have won championships, well, you know, a championship. And exactly, they weren't exactly carrying the team, but they were still huge parts of this team. I mean, Fred Van Vliet and, and Pascal Siakam both averaging over 20 points a game. And then you got Gary Trent Jr. out there. I mean, they just have a very deep Scotty Barnes. They just have a lot of guys, I think, that they can give, not necessarily Embiid, but I would say Harden troubles, that he's going to have trouble getting by people and creating offense. And I think we've talked about this on here at length, okay? It is our best route to victory, and our, I know the when we have looked our best is when Tyrese Maxey is running the offense or when James Harden is running the offense and the ball is moving quickly he's not pounding the air out of the ball for 16 seconds of every shot clock and then hot potatoing it to somebody in the corner throwing it to a niang with five seconds left in the shot clock and expecting him to make a good decision or doing something with it throwing it to danny green in the corner and letting him shoot a contested fadeaway three that ain't it that's not going to be a route to success against a team like the raptors who plays good defense great defense it ain't going to be easy i think a lot of this is going to come down to joel and unfortunately, I I don't. It's not again nothing against Joel. It's not a knock against Joel, but I don't like our center having to be the offensive dri driving the offense late in games, especially when double teams are coming out of nowhere. When he's trying to force buckets, guys are hacking him and they're not calling it. 
You don't get the same calls that the little guys get. Life is much easier for a James Harden, for a Donovan Mitchell, for a Kyrie Irving at the end of a game as opposed to a Joel Embiid who has to literally get murdered in order to get a call. And, and you've seen it on multiple occasions. And Joel doesn't exactly respond to these double teams well, especially at the end of games, it seems. It seems like it's so chaotic, some of the end of our Sixers games, that it, it just it puts, strikes fear in your heart. When I sit here today on a Thursday afternoon, when I think forward about this game, I think it's going to be huge. This game, <laughs> game one's huge. The Sixers cannot go down 1-0 because the panic will just set in, and, in, and especially without Matisse going into Toronto. Not that that's the end of the world, but that's a guy you need. He's a, he's a key part of your team. He's somebody who has started on a, re- on a regular basis. The panic alarm, I would, be, I would break that emergency glass if we lost on Saturday. It's, that's where I'm at. I, I don't trust this team. And I don't think it would. I'm not saying it would be over like uh, that panic alarm, but it's like well, I guess I would break the I'm concerned alarm because I would be very, very concerned. I'm not panicking yet, I guess. So put the glass back on the panic alarm. But that uh, that is like almost worst case scenario because I don't one one. Not even to talk about Monday night's game. So say they lose Saturday, you know, like one one. Okay, it's not the end of the world, but you're going into Toronto without one of your guys. And if I imagine if we lost one of the games, it would not have looked good. It's I, I think it's a lot a lot of uh, hypotheticals right now that I'm going to discuss. But I, my official prediction is the Sixers going to win this series in six games. They're going to take care of it. Now, Sixers in seven. I, I, that's my official prediction. Sixers are going to win in seven games. Now, I see I'm bouncing back and forth. I would like the I ideally I I hope the Sixers have it taken care of by game five. Where we don't have to go up there, we don't have to worry about uh, another Matisse game where he's sitting out, and I, I don't think it's going to be great for the flow or, or the offense or anything when we have one of our guys that's just not playing in some of the games. And I don't know. I I, I th- how about this? I'm going to go Sixers and six. There we go. There's the uh, back to the official prediction. That was what my gut said. That's what I'm going to go with. I think we're just better than them. I think we have better players. I think especially we have the best two players in the in the series so i'll go with that uh if we get it i think it's going to be big a big maxi series you're going to need you're going to need maxi to be play a contributing part or play a huge huge part in each victory and not be just a guy who stands in the corner and shoots catch and shoot threes i would like to see maybe james harden shoot more catch and shoot threes and stop giving it up i need to see him be aggressive in the playoffs more more offense from him and Tobias can't be a stick in the mud. He can't be missing open open threes. And he another guy who gets catch and shoot threes that just misses a lot of them. Our offense just needs to be flow better. It needs to have more options, more everything. It's just it's the same it's the same problems. But they've had a week to work on it. And Doc's the greatest coach ever. Apparently, you can't question anything he does. So let's hope that he um, has devised a plan or, or figured something out. You know, which would. Uh, not be par for the course for a guy who apparently doesn't have game plans, doesn't devise any sort of plans, and, and just kind of flies by the seat of his pants and makes literally no adjustments, according to people from the Clippers who were like, yo, what are we doing? We're going to have to do this by ourselves. That's not me. That's NBA players thinking that. It's Paul George thinking that, who was, who was one of his players. That's very concerning, but we've gotten outcoached, and Nick Nurse outcoached Brett Brown in the playoff series 
in 2019. So I'm not going to get too worked up about that. We have the better players. We have the best player in, in the whole series. We have the MVP. We, you know, we. I don't think there's a center on on the Raptors that can really uh, control him or hold him down or you know in any way slow him down. Uh, I don't think Chris Boucher has anything for him. I don't think Precious. None of these guys. Uh, Birch. Like I. I look at their big men, uh, uh, nothing to uh, really be scared of. So it's more about us and the Sixers. It's kind of the, these guys are kind of in the same boat as the Phillies, where it's not really worried about the teams they're playing or anything like that. We need to play our best game, and we will win. It's not a situation where you're playing against the Nets or the Bucks. Once we get there, hopefully we get there, and your game plan, you're like, damn, what are we going to do to stop Giannis? And how, you know, we really need to do this, and we'll need to work the ball. Like, you know, you're where you're game planning for a team that's on your level or you think is better than you, and you're going to need certain things to go your way. This is just, we need to play. If we play our best game, they're not going to beat us. I don't care what their best game is. Our best game beats their best game. So give me the Sixers and Six with about 73% confidence. And. There it is. Uh, if you want, look at this. I'll give you predictions for all the other uh, playoff series because I'm I ain't no bitch. Nah, I think the Jazz probably beat the Mavericks just based off the fact that the Mavericks are hurt, and uh, well, not the Mavericks are hurt. Luke is hurt, so basically the Mavericks are hurt. Grizzlies probably take care of business against the T Wolves. I don't trust them whatsoever. Uh, Warriors are playing the Nuggets, so you know. Warriors should take care of business. Hopefully, Curry gets back uh, in a reasonable fashion. Bucks playing the Bulls. Uh, no one was going to be scared of the Bulls before the season. They're not, uh, or during the season, so they're not going to be scared of them now. Really hoping the Celtics beat the Nets. Give me the Celtics in. I mean, that's probably going to be a seven-game series. I don't feel confident with that uh, either, but that, that's just going to be a great series. I'm I'm pulling for the Celtics. I think the Celtics probably win because they're just more consistent and the more trustworthy team. But we shall see. Go Sixers. Go James Harden. Hopefully James Harden is in good shape and can make his way through this playoff series without falling apart. Let's go to the Eagles. Eagles have uh, no real uh, news, I would say, other than that, you know, the draft is coming up, and it's getting – we're kind of locking in on – we're going to have the 15th pick. We're going to have the 18th pick, uh, if I'm not mistaken, or 15th and 18, right? Yeah, 15 and 18. So those are – those were, that's where we're at. We're not going to have that third pick we traded. We talked about all that last week. There's plenty of holes to fill. It's not going to be all filled on the first day. That, that will be – I leave that to Howie and all of these draft experts. You can look at the full seven-rounders. I'm not going to go through a whole seven-round uh, mock draft on here and talk to you about some safety from Northwestern that I barely know or that you barely know, and we're going to act like we know what we're talking about. That's just – if you're into that, then take your time. Maybe I'll have somebody on next week to discuss more in-depth uh, the later rounds of the draft. But to be honest, I, I, I just don't care. Uh, I'll let, I'll let smart people tell me what's going on there. But uh, you're the first round, by this time of the year, you kind of know what's going on, who the good players are, who the bad players are, who you think is going to suck, who you don't think is going to suck, who's dropping, like a guy like Kyle Hamilton, my Notre Dame guy, just kind of led ballooning his way out of the top 10, and, and he was going to be a, a top three pick at a certain point. And then, you know, draft night comes and he gets picked fifth. You're like, oh, what the hell? Like, what, what what's going on here? So... 
You don't really know. You don't really know. It, it's all hypotheticals. It's all people guessing about where people are going to go. Some people are basing their mock drafts off what they're hearing from other teams. Some people are just doing it because this is what I think they should do. This is what the best uh, available talent is based on what their needs are and all that. So we will read a Mel Kuyper mock draft here today. Mel Kuyper is the OG of mock drafts. I wouldn't say he's the best, but just a guy I trust. He's been doing it for a long time. And he's there every every April come draft time, and then he kind of disappears for a while. Then you hear him come college football season; they bring him in once a week. Guy's got the greatest job in the world. He's just looking at film all the time, and he can be right or wrong; it doesn't really matter. He just continues to pump it out every year. This one, so this one came out April thirteenth. So we're we're doing what two days ago, three days ago? I don't even know what what is today's date. Uh, today's the 15th, 14th. Oh shit. So that was yesterday. Uh, that tells you what's, what's going on in my brain, but Mel Kuyper, this is a two round draft. Uh, so I, I'll even, I'll go through and if we, I see the Eagles picks on here, I'll read them out. And if we know him, we can talk about him for a little bit, but Aiden Hutchinson going number one, that's kind of been the consensus from the very beginning from a lot of different people. Voices start voices doing much. I, thank you for asking voices doing much better from last week to this week, but it's still kind of, once I get into this 30 minutes of just talking straight, it, it kind of runs out of gas. We're going to have to, it's, uh, my, my voice is in spring training form. I'm going to have to work its way back up, get it back to a uh, level where it's able to go 60 minutes strong uh, of hard cardio wrestling, whatever, whatever you need. We'll have the shoulder strikes MMA podcast tomorrow with my, my compadre and teammate, um, Ty Capone, who did not get to do it last week, he was not he was not happy about it. Let me tell you, the, he had notes and everything, and I'm sure his picks probably went crazy. Our picks didn't do that bad. Me and Jimmy, go back and listen to that episode. You can uh, tell me if I'm wrong, right or wrong. So, Aiden Hutchinson, consensus number one has been for a while. Trayvon Walker was the uh, is a guy that you're hearing could be a possible surprise number one pick. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. Aiden Hutchinson has been the guy for a while it just kind of seems like people bounce around towards the end they get bored and oh well maybe he could be number one and uh he could you know it, this is a year where there's not a lot of consensus towards the top where you just don't know for sure what the like what those top five picks are going to be usually you know okay there's going to be two quarterbacks like last year was Lawrence Wilson you knew that what that was going to be, and then they traded, and then you knew the 49ers were going to take a quarterback. It was Mac Jones for a while, and then it wound up being Trey Lance. So you don't know. You, you, or for the most part, you know who certain teams want or what their guys want or you know who, who the consensus number one is. This isn't it really a year where he's a consensus number one because I think he's in the, even in the minus 200, which is kind of low for being this late in the game and, and whatnot. But Aiden Hutchinson, Jacksonville Jaguars, number one overall pick. Sauce Gardner going two. That's a little bit of a surprise in my mind. Um, I've seen him going as high as three in some of the mock drafts, uh, four to, to the Jets. But it seems like he is on a uh, meteoric ascent up the draft board. He was in Eagles conversation towards the end of the season. And as as this uh, draft uh, season has, has drawn on and has as – that we get closer to this thing, it seems like every mock draft I see, he's a top five pick. It also, it doesn't hurt when you're saying constantly, yo, I'm the best player in this draft. Like, just stop. Stop with 
all these other conversations and who you think is the best. I'm the best. So I like that, man. I like a guy I like a guy who calls himself Sauce or his nickname is Sauce and he kind of goes by the nickname of Sauce and we don't even call him Ahmad. Uh, shout out to my voice, Craxy. I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. <clears throat> uh, Trayvon Walker going three to the Texans. Thibodeau going four to the Jets. That's a guy who's a very volatile prospect. Going, I've seen him in the 10s and 12s. And I've seen him as high as one for a while and now number four. So people are saying he's got a bad attitude and he not not really coachable and, and whatnot. But I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not talking to him. I'm not I'm not the one that's going to coach him. I trust the people what the people are saying and people are going back and forth. Some people don't care. Some people just look at him. He's like, he's a baller. He, he'll, he'll take care of business when when you strap the pads on. He makes plays. So um, Icky. Our boy Icky, the offensive tackle from NC State, going fifth. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to read this gentleman's name. Malik Willis going sixth. I, 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 that's probably the spot where you're going to see the quarterback get picked. I, I've seen mock drafts taking Kenny Pickett. Then I've seen mock drafts taking Malik Willis. So I think you're going to see this go back and forth here. Don't know if they even know who they want. Um, it, it, it all depends on if someone trades up ahead of them and whatnot. But it looks like as of now... Every mock draft, and that just could be people attributing the quarterback that they that they need a quarterback. But if you're the if you're the Carolina Panthers, think of it reasonably. You don't want Sam Darnold playing quarterback for you next year. You might as well take a flyer or or just give give yourself another look or another opportunity at this thing. You know, I I don't I don't think that's a bad idea, right? I, I, it's something if I'm if I'm uh, a Carolina Panthers fan, I'm like hell yeah, dude. Like like let's give ourselves another option. We could just pick another quarterback next year if this guy sucks, right? Or or maybe make a trade. Like you don't you're not tied to this guy forever. It would obviously suck if he stinks, but if you really believe in a Malik Willis or you believe that he can be a player, that like yeah, that's what let's do that. You know, that's kind of where I'm at with the Eagles. If you if a one of those Malik if a Malik Willis falls to a 15 or or even an 18. Why not? Why not take a shot on a, on a guy like that? You've done your homework. Do you think he can be a good player? Do you think he, he's better than Jalen Hurts? Then let's do it, you know? But I understand the Eagles' thought process of kind of kicking the can down the road, and the quarterback class is much better next year. But And I like to get in the Saints bit because the Saints might stink this year. But I don't can't like counting on other teams, oh, yeah, that, you know, they're going to stink. So it's no worries. We'll just get our quarterback next year. If you don't think Jalen Hurts is good, then you should try and solve that problem immediately. No, don't just kick the can down. I could get into that for for hours, but Giants, Jermaine Johnson, guy who has been uh, another guy who's rose up the draft board, who was in Eagles conversations for a long time. For 15, 15 it was like, yeah, Jermaine Johnson, he'll be there. Like, let's get a let's get an edge rusher. That's what we need. Not anymore. He's moved all the way down that board, or all the way up that board, I should say. And now he's they have him getting picked seventh here via the New York Giants from the Chicago Bears in that trade last year to get Justin Fields. Garrett Wilson going eight to the Falcons, have a big hole with Calvin Ridley not playing this season, give Mar- Marcus Mariota someone to throw to. Seattle Seahawks, Evan Neal, who this is a guy who you were talking about picking number one, you know? He... The, you can never go wrong, in my mind, picking a beast left tackle or offensive tackle in the draft this high because it's very rare uh, that they bust like that. It, especially a guy who you know went to Alabama, who has been 
lined up against the very best. If he was there, if Evan Neal was there at 15, that's who I would want. I don't care what the Eagles have going on. They got Maialata. Like, uh, you know, like, I don't know if we really have a, a, a spot for him to play. Don't know if we can move somebody. Like, you know what I mean? You're not moving Lane Johnson or Maialata the guard. But, like, it just, like, it. that's just, like, a, a crazy to me to pass up if you have the chance to pick a franchise-altering left tackle. I think you take that opportunity 10 times out of 10. That they're just a building block, a pillar of your of your foundation who will be there for 10 years in theory if he's not if he's not a stiff, which it doesn't appear that Evan Neal's a stiff. So he exactly like it kind of like let me just read the paragraph. This is another team that ends up with an ideal scenario. Veteran left tackle Dwayne Brown is still on sign, so Neal could start from day 1. It just makes too much sense. I'm not a huge believer that Drew Locke will be Seattle's quarterback answer for the long term, but Neil could be a stalwart on the left side for years to come. That's the truth. It doesn't matter really who the quarterback is or what you have going on. That guy's going to protect whoever you put back there, and that's important. And it's going to make whoever the quarterback's life is. Maybe it winds up being Baker Mayfield down the line for them, but that's something you it's uh, it doesn't you can't put a value on that. When the Eagles. Signed uh, Jason Peters or traded for Jason Peters. You just can't put a value on that. How how valuable he was to the, our program for how long? For our franchise for how long? You know, so program is more of a college term. But I, it's hey, what what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You know, uh, Drake London going to the Jets. A guy who this is another guy who shout out to Deem who wanted nothing to do with him. He has continued to skyrocket up the uh, draft board. Good for him. <clears throat> good for the Jets. Going to wind up getting a good player, supposedly. Uh, Deem wouldn't say so because he's done wants nothing to do with these big Pac-12 wide receivers. So maybe we'll, maybe later on down the road we'll get ourselves a wide receiver. It won't be Drake London. Drake London off the board. Kyle Hamilton going 11 to the Commanders. Don't love that just because we have to play the Commanders. Minnesota Vikings. Derek Stingley Jr., another guy who was up at the top, kind of, you know, a result if everyone's sliding up, someone's got to slide down. Derek Stingley is that guy. He's he, he's one of the people who slid, slid down. Charles Cross, offensive tackle going to the Texans. Trent McDuffie, a guy who has been rumored or linked to the Eagles in, in some of these mock drafts. We're not going to get him. Uh, and I, I'm not against that just because who's the last cornerback we took from Washington? Oh, right, Sidney Jones? Yeah, not his fault. You know, it's a kind of like the Drake London situation. You know, last Pac-12 J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, yeah, okay, they're not the same player. It's not your fault, but in my head, I just don't want it. You know, I I, I guess you can, I can be convinced once you pick them, I'll probably be convinced of whoever they pick. I just don't want it. So here we are, we're finally 15 at the Eagles. Drum roll, please. Chris Olav, all right, Chris Olav. Wide receiver, Ohio State. After last week's trade with the Saints, the Eagles have one fewer draft pick. But you have to think they'll take a receiver with one of them, right? They absolutely have to, based off the fact that they didn't sign anyone and they have a huge hole there. Hopefully, the Eagles get Tyron Matthew, who they also are meeting with uh, while we're there. That would be a huge addition. You won't have to take that secondary. You're going to need a safety. McLeod goes to the Colts. You're just going to. There's still a hole back there. It's and it's double hole now. I mean, you still have Kayvon Wallace and whatnot and Anthony Harris. You got guys back there, but you, it's still a a little bit of a barren wasteland uh, other than uh, Slay. So uh, I slipped my mind there for a second, but other than Darius Slay. Trevor Penning, 
offensive tackle. So I didn't, I didn't finish that uh, paragraph. Sorry. If they're committed to using 2022 as an evaluation year for Jalen Hurts, they should give him the tools to succeed. That's facts. If you want to see kind of in the same way, I think I, I don't know if I talked about this last week, but if in the same way that you saw the Dolphins go all in, they go get Tyree Kill, they have Jalen Waddle, they have Kasicki, they have all these weapons. You're going to see if two is the real quarterback or not. And if he still stinks this year, get rid of him and go get somebody that can actually use these weapons. But you don't, you're not going to know if these guys are good or you're not going to get a true evaluation of them unless you put real legit talent around them. And that's the one thing I will give Jalen Hurts. Like the Jalen Hurts people, and I won't try to condemn his ability for the most part, is because he hasn't exactly had the greatest supporting cast around him with when you have Jalen Rager running above 85% of the routes uh, on a given game. Uh, Quez Watkins is your three. Uh, it's just not a good situation. And Devontae Smith is your only real option other than, you know, you got Dallas Goddard who was doing his thing. Some games he would go off, some games he wouldn't. They just need another option. They need another option, and hopefully Chris Olav or a guy like that is the other option. With all that said, does that change my thought process on Jalen Hurts? Do I think... You know, maybe, maybe I, maybe I will be. My mind will be changed if they get a, a wide receiver like that. And he becomes, he's able to read the field now, and he's able to be accurate and destroy people from the pocket. And we can run a normal offense. Maybe then, maybe I will tell you I'm wrong. I'll come back here, hand in hat or hat in hand, and apologize and say, sir, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Okay, Jalen Hurts, I was wrong. I, I don't want. I'm. I. I can admit that. I'm man enough to admit that I was wrong. Hopefully, I can say that. I really do hope that because I'm an Eagles fan, number one. But we'll see. I, I don't. I don't believe that's going to be the case. I just don't think Jalen Hurts is good enough uh, to to take you where you want want him to take you. Like I said, you can still. I think you can win games with him. I don't know if you can win a Super Bowl with him. You can win games with him because he will not sink the boat, but he also won't drive the boat in the right direction. If that makes sense. He will not be the reason we win games, and he. But he won't be the reason we lose games necessarily. So, enough's enough. We talked about Jalen Hurts enough. Trevor Penning, offensive tackle, Northern Iowa, going to the Saints via that pick that we got from Indianapolis, and we traded it to them. Jordan Davis, going 17 to the Chargers. I believe it would be tough for Howie to pass on Jordan Davis if he's there. Howie loves his. Uh, his both defensive and offensive line, but he loves picking defensive line. Seems like he's done well the last time. I mean, he got a Fletcher Cox right in this area of the draft. I believe it was 12 or 10, one of those picks. I could see him if Jordan Davis is a guy who has who destroyed the combine, who's a freak of nature, can do all sorts of different things. I would love, love, love to see them pick him at 15. I understand if maybe he was trying to play a game here and hope he drops to 18. Olav, I don't think he'd go wrong either way. Maybe Olav gets picked in the interim there. The Eagles at 18. Nakobe Dean, inside linebacker for Georgia. I see a massive void in the middle of the Eagles' front seven. And we're getting to the point in this draft in which an off-ball linebacker will be taken. I have Devin Lloyd just ahead of Dean in my rankings, but there are teams that will fall in love with Dean's intangibles. Yeah, uh, that that's, to me, a huge part of just being a linebacker. And, and you're like the quarterback of the defense, essentially. And I would love, love, love to have a guy like that because we haven't had a guy like that or a guy in the middle, a linebacker, that's just that good in so long. 
He's a tremendous teammate who was the leader of the national champions' historic defense. He's the he's a little undersized, but can play sideline to sideline. Talked about it on here for days, hours, minutes, weeks, forever. I would love to have that pick, or I would love to have Nicobe Dean there. Jameson Williams goes right after. Uh, Kenny Pickett to the Steelers. Devin Lloyd, Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Traylon Burks. Uh, yeah, and then that's you know, that's that. So that that is it for the 2022. I guess I will scroll through. I'm not going to read all of these picks to waste all of your time, but he did say he did the second round as well. So let's find the Eagles. A Jogbo going 34 to the Lions. That would be a great pick for them to have him sit for a year and hopefully come back to be somewhat, uh, you know, not a shell of himself, but just build himself back to be the player that he was before. Drake Jackson at 51 is what the Eagles are selected here on Mel Kuyper's two-round. There was a time when I thought Jackson might be a top-ten pick. This is from Mel Kuyper, by the way. This is not me saying that. But he never quite put everything together for the Trojans. Still, NFL teams will see his size 6'3", 254 pounds, and his physical traits and think they can coach him to hit his ceiling. For the Eagles, Jackson might be a situational pass rusher at first. While he develops his game, edge rush is clearly a need for Philly. We definitely need an edge rush. I don't know if I would like to take a prayer hope shot on on a guy like that, but maybe he can turn into be a uh, legit player, or you know, maybe he could play that Hassan Reddick sort of role that they kind of got Hassan Reddick for. So it kind of sounds like he he would do uh, situational. I, I don't know. Let, let let me let the 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 football nerds to talk about all that, and I'll leave the MVP discussion to all the stat nerds. And I'm here to just do whatever the fuck I want. That's that's what we do here on the Hot Take Hotbox. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matt McSweeney. I don't want to waste any more of your time. I thank you again for joining me and you wasting time with me listening to this beautiful, glorious, illustrious, and stupendous podcast. Be here tomorrow. We will do the UFC 273 breakdown. Volkanovsky takes care of business against the Korean zombie. We will have a long, extended conversation about Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling. Hamza Chemaev, Gilbert Burns, and then we will talk about the card this upcoming weekend. Vicente Luque and Bilal Muhammad, which is a great fight in the 170. 170's becoming the best division in, in all of uh, mixed martial arts. We'll talk about all that. We have the knowledge for days about that. We'll have picks. We'll have everything. Join us then. Thank you for joining me now. This is the Hot Take Hotbox.